0: Yo, this is the Ancient Texan. I'm going to kind of warn you in advance that um, a lot of you that are liberal, which I suspect is most of people that listen to this podcast, uh, some of the stuff in here might bother you and I'm sure a lot of you are not going to get it. but I'm going to take a shot at it anyway because I think it's important it's also something that I have to give credit to Trump and my wife for helping me figure it out I've had a little chip on my shoulder my whole life and I've had it especially at work and I've I've stayed hired and done pretty well, pretty, could have done probably a lot better. Because I'm a smart guy, uh, innovative, got a lot of skills. I'm really good at being an extractive metallurgist. Plus there's not many of me left to, in this country to compete with, which I've covered in other talks. I've had a little chip against management my whole life, and there's been anger. This morning I was talking to my wife, and I, I, the little anger started coming out, and she, she said, Are you mad at me because I'm not poor? And I go, Wow. I'm carrying the anger of the working poor. Now, let me give you a little about my background so you can see that it's it's not a uh, just a random statement of my part. I grew up in El Paso. A house with 600 square feet. Four people living there. We did take the storage room and took down the wall, gave us probably an extra 50 feet. So we, we had an expansion. My dad was an automobile mechanic. Um, he worked a block from home at a Texaco. John Bingham was the guy that owned the station, had a lot of women. I, my opinion is my dad kind of carried the station because my dad was a mechanic that people would, oh, were so faithful to. Well, a guy once stopped me when I visited El Paso 10 years after my dad died. An old man ran out into the street and said, You're Bob's boy. And he said, I just wanted you to know that no one touched my car except your dad. He said it broke down in Albuquerque once which I think's like 100 miles away. And he said, I had it towed to your dad because I trusted him. My dad walked every day to work. He had an ulcer, pretty unstable stomach, and he got told to, you know, drink some milk. So we'd always carry him a jar of milk when school wasn't in. About 10 in the morning, we'd carry him a... Jar of milk and salting crackers and sometimes we'd do it in the afternoon I guess when we we're in school my mom walked down the block never thought about that my dad had a lot of anger in him oh I don't really know all of it and this is a little bit of a story but I'm this is a story I've made up. My, dad, my dad's dad died when he was, my dad was three. And he was left to his sisters and uh, his mom to raise him. His dad had owned uh, the, the grocery store, I don't think it was actually in Tulsa, but a town near Tulsa. My dad was, my dad's dad was the first one to have a car. Well, when he died, everything apparently didn't go that well. And one of the stories that my dad would tell me is once he entered a fair. um, And he got in a race and he was out front early. And then he just couldn't hang on at the end. And he said, I always thought if I just had a little bit of meat, I could have won that race. Maybe just a bite of bacon. And the race was nothing, but it wasn't nothing to my dad. It was like if I just had a little more food, and he equated meat with strength, I could have won that race. Then my dad went off in the military, World War II. He was in the Philippines when the Japanese took it over. Um, He was there when 50,000 Americans were taken prisoners, not one of the stories you hear much about, and almost all of them died. My dad lived through that. I actually think he ran off from a few stories I heard. He ran off and lived in the mountains um, and wasn't captured. He went a AWOL. But I don't know. My dad, uh, I know he was court-martialed once in the Philippines because he left his gun behind when they were when they were retreating from the Japanese when they were running from the Japanese but I know when he came back he was messed up but you know they didn't even probably know about PTSD then so I don't know all what happened, but I know my dad moved from being probably middle class when his dad was alive to being in the working class. I know he had to drop out of high school to work. And I also know he was really smart. He loved to do mathematic games and tricks. and there was nothing you know as an adult i realized that the tricks at their heart were very simplistic but they seemed magic at the time my brother in second grade who uh, was always a trouble he was he's like a person that moves at a different speed Still does. His brain, his body. They move at hyperspeed. Like the rest of the world is standing still. Like one of those science fiction things where the rest of the world is stopped and frozen in time and he moves through it. Well, it didn't work out in grade school being that kind of kid. And they tried to move him up from second grade to third grade. Well, he got okay with everything except, you know, just skip second grade basically did okay with everything but math. And they told him, you know, you need to get him a math tutor. Well, they didn't, so they kept him in third grade half the time, and then they finally put him back in second grade, which did not do well for his self-image. He never really recovered from that. He's part of the hardworking poor to this day. I've got a lot of stories, um, what it felt like to be poor, got sent home once and my parents brought to school because I had holes in my shoes and I'd put cardboard in them. Mrs. Baggett, who knew me from church, talked me out of advanced English in eighth grade when I was going to ninth because she said I wouldn't like I wouldn't like uh, Shakespeare. She said she had seen me playing at the church ground with me and those other kids, poor working kids who she saw me with. I had a sixth grade teacher tell me that I was average and when I wanted to get out of Mr. Gobelt's class who Showed us all his paddles the first day. They wanted to put me in with the slow group. My mom stood up for me and they put me in the advanced group, and I said, That's why I ended up with a PhD in engineering. And I could have been put in the slow group and probably finished high school and ended up being a mechanic like my dad. But my dad always told me, don't make your living with your hands like I do. You need to make it with your brain. He wouldn't let me work on my bike or anything. He'd say, you hurt yourself, go read a book. And my mom just assumed I was going to college. My kids once asked me, are you the first kid in your family to go to college. I said, I'm the first kid in our family to finish high school. Yet, I don't even think I was the smartest. My, had a couple of lucky breaks. My mom went to bat for me I didn't have anything, you know, obvious like ADHD, like my brother had, or at least I didn't have it as severe. And so when someone says, just get a tutor and he'll be okay, and you're talking to somebody, the mechanic is the breadwinner, and he got $100 a week for 20 years in a row. Never got a raise. It was good wage at the beginning of that time. It was barely survival wage at the end for four people in the family to live on, even though it was a long time ago. It still wasn't much money. So the people around me, most of them didn't get out of my neighborhood. They became drug dealers like my brother did. and people I realize now thanks to Trump what's kind of been bugging me all this time and what I really couldn't stand about Hillary when she called them the deplorables and I think it'd also be good at this point if you want to understand a little bit better what I'm talking about is listen to the podcast from Sam Harris about understanding Trump. So here's kind of what I'm... I realize I've been pissed off about my whole life. Here's what the elites... Liberal elites mostly think, or it's what I feel they think. And I'm standing in here for the working poor. Um, I'm physically no longer in that group. Although the mountain of debt I have, maybe I am. But I'm in the, you know, I'm in the very educated into the realm. But my spirit is still back with the working poor. What do the elites think about the working poor? First, they assume we, not me in particular, but we, the working poor, chose to drop out of high school and chose not to go to college. Two, they don't recognize that we, all, that we often went to crabby-looking buildings and schools that were old and run down, and we were given teachers that were the rejects from the good schools, the rich kids. Two, three, they don't recognize that we were not given the tools, the computers, the internet. That was before my time, but even in my time, we weren't given the tutors and the extra help with school. We weren't given the counseling. Um, You kind of segregated out from day one, just the way you look the clothes that you wear, you're one of them. We often grew up without role models or with people that were struggling on their own. My dad was one of those, a lot of anger in him. We often grew up without a financial cushion, like when your dad died, like mine did. There was nobody there to keep you from losing everything. I started working at 19. My brother was 16. 19's a huge advantage over 16. He didn't do that well with it, left on his own. We often grew up without health care. That was true for my dad. People were starting to get heart operations, and they're cleaning out arteries and stuff. That didn't apply to the working poor. Because we didn't have insurance that would take care of that kind of stuff. So, what what's the message we get from the liberals? What's the message that we get from the Liberal elites, try harder. You get what you deserve, meaning you're where you're at because you didn't try hard enough. Your grammar is crap. You speak like those people. The way you say wash is funny, meaning you're a dumbass. Us liberal elites know how to talk. And finally, the liberal elite say you're a dumbass if you don't adopt a liberal agenda which is focused on saving the planet and getting rid of fossil fuels and coal plants and mining mining plants and metal plants. All the places where us working poor used to be able to make a living and used to be able to put a roof over our head and feed our kids. And then Hillary comes along and says, you're a deplorable because you support Trump. Well, well, there's a whole lot of stuff wrong with Trump, and you'll get no argument. And I think he's been dangerous for the our country. You can roll out the list of stuff, and I'll probably agree on all of it that you say about Trump. I don't like him. I don't care for him. But that's the educated me that doesn't like Trump. At a visceral level, I sometimes kind of admire at how you know like he's out there battling and he's in a fight. And I understand that, because I felt like I was fighting my whole life. I was fighting against a system that did almost nothing, although I did have individuals that did a lot for me, and I'm very thankful that helped me get out. But I don't think, I can't imagine what the system did for me to get out of the working poor. And it wasn't that I wasn't gifted, because I was. My brother was gifted. But that... It was completely, we were completely invisible, buried in the sea of working poor, many of whom were also very gifted. I would say we had as many gifted and talented people in the working poor as the liberal elites had. And I would dare say if the liberal elites grew up in my neighborhood that most of them would have grown up to be drug dealers because that's the only thing that made sense. So when I see people following Trump and there's different groups that follow Trump so this isn't a, you know, some are racist, you know, bigots, whatever I got that. Some are, you know, they're there because of abortion and judges and that kind of stuff. But there's a working class poor that are there because they're mostly white males who have done everything the system told them to do. They tried hard. They go to work. They show up on time. They work their butts off, they work second jobs, and they still can't make their house and car payments. That was kind of like a promise we made. If you but even if you're a mere working class poor, if you work your butt off, show up you can still get ahead. But it's basically not true anymore in America it's one of the stories we tell but very very few people can be in the working class and keep their heads above water they have no buffer for the slightest thing that goes wrong they can't go to their doctor when they're coming down with the flu because they don't have a doctor and they can't afford to pay for a doctor. Then they miss work, then lose their job, lose their car, lose their house. It all goes, unwinds because America has no commitment to the working poor. They have no commitment to even give them 15 bucks an hour. Bernie hadn't come along, that wouldn't even be a thing, Thing, one of my words that I have problems with. So, sometime when I find myself listening to Trump and kind of actually feeling with him, and then I go, whoa, I just kind of like something Trump did or said, and sometimes I should, because I actually think he's done some good stuff in this pile of, you know, crap that he does. But I get it. I really get it. And I'm not sure I would have ever got it without Trump being in this world. I wouldn't have understood what this anger has been in me for my whole life. has to do with being a part of the working class poor. We say we don't have class systems, but believe me, we have class systems in this country. And you wear your class on your sleeve and the way you dress and the way you talk and the way you think about things and what you believe and what church you go to, what car you drive or don't drive. We have class all slapped all over us. Every TV commercial is about moving up in class. If you can get the right car, you can be somebody. So even if you can't afford to pay your house payment, you get a car that moves you up in class. And this country is all about having stuff, shiny stuff. And those that don't have the shiny stuff, which is the working poor, are kind of looked down on. And even though I'm that part of that small percentage that made it out, at least you know, in my pocketbook and my profession and my education, I never made it out from my sympathies, my loyalty, And I never got past what it feels like to be looked down on because you're the working poor. Some of those teachers that used to get rejected and sent to our system, and they'd be their snobby little teachers that looked that wore the nice clothes and looked down on us deplorables, I even remember when I was giving a talk, when I was working on my PhD, and my professor came up to me, who was a really good, nice man. And he didn't mean anything by it. But he told me I had to work on the way I say certain words, like Warsh. And he was talking about my image, about looking like I didn't belong there. And I didn't belong there because not many people made it out of the, where I came from. So when Trump has loyal followers, the liberals have to ask themselves, how welcome have you been to the working poor what assumptions do you have and biases? It's just like race bias. It's no it's not a there's not any difference at all. What biases do you have when a person starts talking and you can tell that he's not educated? The first thing that probably runs through your head, which is runs through my head sometimes is that guy's stupid, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not educated. And it's immediate looking down the nose. What we should be asking is, what kind of world did he live in? And ask yourself, if you lived in his world, would you be one of the ones that made it out? And I'm betting against most of you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Because I've learned over the years that I'm a hell of a lot better competitor than most people. And that helped me make it out. And I have some good friends that made it out too. And did real well. Very proud of them. My brother's not one of them. He's got a tough life now. Still working construction in the 60s. Anyway. I hope this podcast doesn't turn you off to... The ancient Texan gives you a little more about my background and about what it means to be, to grow up in the working class poor and why some of us might be a little angry. Hope you have a good day. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks for listening. Namaste. You realize I forgot one thing. Not unusual. I'll blame it on my age. What made Trump connect with the working class poor is when he went into, you know, the hills of Pennsylvania and he told the coal miners, I'm going to get your jobs back. Coal's coming back. Steel's coming back. I'm going to get manufacturing back. And you say, well, there's no way he can do that because, you know, I understand all the stuff about coal's past its prime, it's more expensive and global warming and all that kind of stuff. But you're missing the point. He was talking to them and they thought he understood about losing their jobs. And I don't know if Trump understood that or who was that guy, Brennan, that anyway, one of his, you know, tacticians on the campaign. I don't know who knew that, but the words came out of Trump's mouth. Trump got it that those people were hurting and they lost their jobs. What did Hillary say instead? Coal mines are not coming back. The coal plants are not coming back. Which is okay. That's the truth. But it's not relevant. The relevant thing was someone noticed they lost their jobs, their way of life, their homes, their cars, their respect. They lost a way to work hard and still have something despite the fact that they weren't in a world that helped them get an education. So, you know, when you hear people arguing about all the stuff that isn't true about what Trump says, which is, you know, thousands of things, They're missing something though. They're missing the message that his followers heard. And that message was actually true. You've been screwed. No one cares about you. You are the poor working class. You know, you should have tried harder, had an education, blah, blah, blah. Those aren't said, but they're felt. And we're not offering you anything to take the place of what you've I lost. The conversation. Could you rephrase what you said? That's my computer trying to help me. So those conversations, even though as an engineer and I do economics for commercial plants and stuff, i missed the message too i had i know the statistics and the cost and all the technical analysis to say why that's nonsense when you say a coal plant's coming back but i missed the point i missed the message and i would say most liberals miss the message which I now count me in that group, but I missed the message. You probably missed the message. This is the ancient Texan and Earthling, hoping we all can learn to live and play well together on the small and delicate planet we call home. May we all honor the sacred and our fellow inhabitants. Namaste.